you know, Ephesians 2.10 is, uh, is kind of a, a launching pad for where Paul is going with the people who live in Galatia. Now, Galatia is uh, a place in, in modern-day Turkey. And that's where these people were that Paul was writing to. And they'd gotten mixed up. Uh, they'd gotten kind of messed up. They'd, they'd heard a little bit about Jesus, and somehow they got off track. And Paul's writing this book to get them on track. And he's trying to get them back to that understanding that they are God's original masterpiece. But the path there got a little confusing for them. You see, at first, uh, they heard about the freedom that came with Jesus, the forgiveness that came. And that forgiveness, um, unfortunately, was perverted uh, by these... um, Folks who wanted to come in and understand, wanted them to understand that, that this idea of relating to God through Jesus was, was a Jewish idea. And so you needed to, to paint it with all this, this Jewish kind of religion. And so they wanted the Galatians, uh, the men, to be circumcised. And if you read uh, chapter 5 of the book of Galatians, you see that that Paul is, it mentions that. He says, look, don't do that. Because he bounds one side of this argument as religion. You know, and it kind of does sort of relate to you and I. You, we tend to be sort of one of two things. Some of us are religious. I mean, just by our nature, we're very religious. We're Ruby Rule followers. Um, if, if things, you know, like this morning, uh, we're driving here, and I'm with my my dear wife, who's not in here, and she does not need to hear this illustration. Um, she's someplace else in this building. And so, but anyway, we're driving in, and in the morning, <clears throat> when I drive from the north down and get off at this exit here, I, I don't really pay attention to white lines on the pavement. I mean, there's nobody else around, and I just make my path. I make the most efficient path. I'm saving the earth by saving petrol, <laughs> by moving, you know, in, in an expedient way from point A to point B and not worrying about all these little man-made lines that are there. Whether they're solid or whether they're dotted, it doesn't matter to me. But my wife had to comment this morning, not paying attention to many lines this morning, are you? It's like, well, what's new? I mean, you know. It's that kind of thing. Some of us are born with this kind of thing where, where when people set up rules and regulations, we have a tendency to feel like they have a gravitational pull to those things. And we, by priority, assume that we should follow them. And even further, some of us even decide to make up our own rules. And internally, we have a whole set of rules that we hold everybody else accountable to. And we become judgmental inside because people don't match up to or stack up to the rules that we make. That's what's happening with the Galatian people here. That's what's happening in this chapter is is Paul is trying to help them understand what, what genuine freedom looks like. Because they have come to understand that they had a heavy, dirty soul, and that Jesus 
left heaven, came to earth, lived and died and rose again so that they could experience freedom. But they were going back to a set of religious ideals that would get to them to that freedom. And Paul's saying, no, no. Jesus did not come to establish a new religion. And some of us are on that side. Some of us are on that, that treadmill. And we're thinking that life is just simply an audition for the next world. And we want to make it a really good audition because we want to succeed. We want to be chosen. And Paul is helping us get out of that religious mentality. But unfortunately with these folks, there's a pendulum that swings. This pendulum that swings and it swings over to the other side, not, not the religious folks, but now there's these rebellious folks. Oh, I'm free. I can do anything I want. I can cross white lines all, the day, all, the, all day long. You know, that, that's, that's where I belong. And if, if you think about it, it's probably not hard to tell. Um, but I, I, I have this rebellious spirit. I am not going to let anybody tell me what to do. And so I think of freedom as doing anything I want. No boundaries whatsoever. And Paul says, no. No. That's just as bad as the religious side. Because that, this side is serving yourself. You're, you're serving yourself. You become the center of the universe. This side over here becomes, you let somebody else decide the pivot point in life. And we rebel from that and we go over here and we say, I'm going to be the pivot point. I don't care what you think. I don't care what your standards are. I don't care what anybody else thinks. I'm going to do what I'm going to do. And Paul comes back to help us understand that freedom, freedom is found in Jesus. In this... Uh, the fifth chapter in verse 13, he says, For you were called to freedom, brothers and sisters. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. On one side, the rebellious people were serving this kind of standards, and they were thinking of themselves as auditioning for a space in God's world and the world to come. And so they were trying to be good enough on the other side, there were a bunch of people who just threw off everything and said, hey, the heck with you. I'm going to do what I want to do. I'm free. Paul says, no. He says, no. You were called to freedom. Only don't use your freedom as an opportunity to flesh, but through love, serve one another. And then he says something that we dealt with in the last series. That he says, for the whole law is fulfilled in one word, you shall love your neighbor. As yourself. And so there's a space in this world where we find freedom when we become hitched to Jesus. You see, the, the problem with most people when we engage the spiritual journey is that it, we can be on one side or the other, but we don't realize that, that God is in the center focused on relationship. He's not into religion. He's not into rebelliousness, but he's into relationship. He's in us coming to grips with 
a connection with him that's full and vital. But that connection, unfortunately, acknowledges the spiritual world that exists. You see, I don't know about you, but I, I live in a material world. I have a hard time realizing that there's something beyond what I can touch and see and feel. There's an unseen world. There's a war going on. I mean, I know there's a lot of wars going on in this world right now. You know, I just got back from Africa and friends of mine from Ethiopia telling me about you know, the, a, a country that it, it is suffering two wars at the same time and a government that's falling apart and all kinds of stuff. We see on TV all the time what's happening in Ukraine and, and there are literally uh, numerous different conflicts happening around the world. There's a social con conflict happening in our world, a fabric that's ripping apart. All kinds of conflicts, but fundamentally, you and I face a conflict inside. And that conflict is a struggle that starts in the very beginning of the book, Genesis in the Bible. And, and, it, and it proceeds throughout as we see this, this kind of ripping of things. And Paul comes down in this big book he writes, Romans, when he talks about it in terms of there's spirit and there's flesh. He's not talking about physical flesh. But he's talking about in the spiritual realm, there are two forces, unseen forces that are arguing for our allegiance. You know, oftentimes when people start on a spiritual journey, um, it's like anything you learn. There, there's, a, there's a growth curve. You know, you decide you want to pick up a new hobby or you decide you want to read a book or you decide you're going to exercise or you decide something that's going to be new in your life and there's this, this, this growth curve and it, it's exciting at first. And then all of a sudden, after it's exciting, it's not. <laughs> and, and you have this dip. In fact, it's so pervasive. Uh, an author by the name of Seth Godin has written an entire book about this concept, this idea of this dip. And so few people make it through the dip. It's what happens in the spiritual journey. We, we start, we get this sense of, we understand uh, the freedoms that come with Jesus. He, he dies on a cross. He, he dies a horrible death. But his death is a death that pays a penalty that you and I owe. And as a result, we're free. He took our guilt. He took our shame. He took the penalty of, of, of eternal damage. He took all that upon himself. And he offers it to us freely to, to walk in that. And so we're, we, we feel this first blush of exuberance that comes. And then all of a sudden, we begin to be exposed to this war that exists inside us. This war that exposes the darkness that our friend up here was afraid to expose. God begins to chisel, but God begins to work in our lives, and, and it gets hard. And it gets painful. And we see things we've never seen before because we have eyes that we've never had before. And we engage that conflict. We engage that conflict. And, and our friends here in, in Galatians are wanting to swing to one side or the other to deal with that conflict. They want to deal with it with laws and 
and religion, and the others just want to ignore it and just do whatever they want. And God says, no, I'm in, I'm in relationship. I, I, I want to help you engage this battle. I want you to experience the freedom, the freedom that comes in relationship. That's why in this passage, you know, one of the most quoted passages in the entire Bible Paul comes over and says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there is no law. You can't legislate against those kinds of things because when the, the conflict inside begins to be won by the Spirit rather than the flesh, those fruits begin to deliver themselves into our lives. And when they deliver themselves into our lives, it's as if we've engaged a battle and yet we're not even fighting it. We have resources in that battle that are so much greater. We have resources in that battle that are so much more significant. You know, I've told this story more than once here, but... But I, there was a time in a former church I served when in a, a, an evening service uh, we were called and told that there was a former, an ex-spouse coming to kill his ex-wife at, at that service. And uh, the, the senior leader of the church decided that I would be the one to deal with this because he had to speak at the service. Brave of him, I thought. And so I'm on the lookout running around trying to figure out, you know, I, I, don't have a, I don't have a bulletproof vest and I didn't have the sense to call the police or anything of that sort. And so all of a sudden, he's in the parking lot and I see him coming. And I'm thinking, what do I do? And I, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just stupid enough to sort of do things I shouldn't do. So I stepped outside the door and I went down to the sidewalk and I confronted him. And I said, you're not coming in. I didn't know if he had a gun. I'm looking, you know, see bulges here or there and that kind of stuff. And, and we're about the same size. And I'm, I'm you know, kind of getting, getting my martial arts stuff ready, you know. And I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to leg, leg sweep him, you know, and boom, you know, and put him down and put my knee in his chest and maybe a couple shots of the jar or something to knock him out and, and then wait for the police to come, you know. Turn him over, you know, and, and, and you know, I'm, I'm, all this stuff's going through my mind. And he comes down, and he says some really choice words to me, really flowered, really colorful. I mean, choo, you know, and, uh, and, and then he turns, and he walks away, and he goes back to his car. And I'm thinking, <laughs> ah, you, got, you, you saw what you had to deal with, right? And then I turned around, and I looked, and there was Vern. There was this contractor that went to this church. He was about 6'6", 275 pounds. And he was standing about eight feet behind me the whole time and never said a word. And I thought, oh, okay. I get it now. Uh, uh, he didn't care anything about me, but he cared a lot about Vern. You see, in, 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 in the war that we're in, in the spirit, in the flesh, oftentimes we try to fight it ourselves. We try to cover it over. Oh, it's, I'm not that bad. I'm not that judgmental. You know, I, I'm not that critical. I don't have that kind of spirit about me. 
or it's okay, I can do what I want, it doesn't matter, I'm not hurting anyone, you know, and, and we're swinging back and forth from this kind of thing, and yet we have a resource. We have a resource that makes all the difference in the world. You know, God has already designed the end. He tells us in Ephesians too, we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. He is on a mission inside us. He's on a mission to help us fight this battle between flesh and spirit, between good and evil in our lives, between the kinds of habits and thoughts and patterns and all the kind of crap that we have brought into our life and we've, we've practiced up until this, the point we engage Jesus. And, and then at this point, God wants to resource us to help us win this battle. And all he asks is for us to engage, for us to get off the religious side, for us to stuff our rebellious side and engage relationship and just say, Father, join me in this battle. I, I don't know how many of you are Lord of the Ring fans, uh, but there's this phenomenal scene in the Lord of the Rings where a character who has two names, Gollum and Schneegel. And we get a chance to see this battle take place in this character. So let's take a look at it, and we'll talk about it afterwards.
told you to go away. And away he goes, precious. Gone, gone, gone! Smeagol's free! Smeagol and Gollum are the same person. And Schmeagel becomes Gollum because of the fixation on Precious, that ring that defines the Lord of the Rings. And, and, and because of that fixation, it might be a, a religion or it might be the freedom, that fixation on something besides relationship that, that causes us to have this internal struggle. But the key becomes inviting God into the battle. It becomes inviting him into this idea of, I don't want to be religious anymore. I don't want to be addicted to my own freedom anymore. I want relationship. I want to figure out what that means and what that looks like. What, what are those steps it takes to be able to engage both in the mission that God is on inside me so that I will be released for the mission that God wants to do through me? You see, it, it, it starts fundamentally with a regular daily habit of making that decision that Schmeagel had to make. Go away. Go away. I, I, I choose this day to live a life of the Spirit, not a life of the flesh. And Paul says that the fruit of that life is the, the kind of life that we've always wanted. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, Faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Those things that which nothing can legislate against, Paul says, that's the fruit of the choice of inviting God into the battle in our life. Let's pray. Father, as we think about what it looks like on a daily basis to, uh, to win this battle, uh, none of us win it as often as we would like but there are specific things. There are, there are names that we can put on things that are our enemies. They're not just general concepts, but they're, they're things. They're people that we fail to forgive. There are habits that we have nourished over time that decay our souls. Father, we feed our own freedoms and we, we are unwilling to submit to the creator, God. We want to make our own rules. And we fail to come to grips with the fact that we don't get to make the rules. You are the creator, the designer of life. And your design for us is the best life we could ever find. But yet we oftentimes, because of this struggle, we oftentimes fail to trust that you love us and want better for us than we want for ourselves. And so we come asking for courage. Courage to choose relationship. Courage to choose to move against our own selves at times because we're trusting that you know better than we do. Father, thank you for the freedom that comes when we choose the Spirit.
over the flesh. We pray these things in Jesus' name.